Callum Barnes returns to the show today. How are you doing, Callum? And how are you feeling just two and a bit months away from AEW at Wembley Stadium? This is crazy. So funny enough, uh, me and the girlfriend have got to a point in our life where we've now got a shared diary. Nice. And I am now putting in dates of like relevant things to me. And I put in AEW Wembley and she Jimmy went, what the fuck's that? And I went, oh, okay, I need to explain. Uh, so I've swearing got, like... immediately on the podcast. Oh, trying no. to keep this PG. It's all right. If you're listening with your kid, it's Callum's fault, basically. It's Callum's fault. It's my fault. Yeah, so I've now got, like, uh, dates in my diary. I just put Callum date, like, in brackets. Yeah, yeah. So AW Wembley is going to be incredible. I can't wait for it. That's my birthday week as well. Um, I'm still at an age where I can claim to have a birthday week. So, um yeah, is that it's the gonna big be good 3-0? Or is that what you Oh happened? no, 3-1, three, 3-1. One, three, one. Three, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What an age, what an age. I had such a good time at 31, as I'm sure you will do as well. 31, 2013 is a long time ago now, mate. Long yeah, time yeah. ago. Yeah, yeah. Crikey. But yeah, it's gonna be so good. We've just been talking um off air about sort of plans. Uh Dan and I, you know, from the show are going from going from going you know from the show i meant the listeners you obviously have met dan we're yeah. going to meet dave Meltzer on the sunday in uh in london <clears throat> what could possibly go wrong meeting dan at 10 a.m in the morning on a sunday when the event i think is at 6 p.m what i mean you you've been to wrestling with dan he doesn't like a drink at all does he <laughs> no no stone cold sober every time yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. every time <laughs> so yeah i'm setting yeah, myself yeah. up for but i think it'll be really good fun so um when when you sent the message about you booked the table in i don't know where it was some boozer in leicester square and you put the start time at 12 30 i went oh, oh this is gonna be a rough weekend <laughs> <laughs> well you don't have to get there at 12 30 just we'll be there from 10 so yeah oh no as i've said my age i'm still in the age where i don't understand the ramifications of everything i'm mm. still absolutely yeah let's do it if there if if there's something to be done and there's booze involved i'm I'm gonna be there yeah, yeah. so i wonder if in so in, i'm genuinely uh, and if dan is listening to this you'll probably poo poo this i am actually starting to think about giving up actually <gasps> yeah Ooh. i really am or at least at least temporarily giving up i think after the summer i might have a little three or four months sober and see see what it's like yeah um, because yeah. have, have you heard Spencer, this is, of all the people I'm going to quote about it, Spencer Matthews from Made in Chelsea talk about drinking oh and God. sobriety. Did you ever watch no. Made in Chelsea back in the day? I, I tell you what, I did. I bloody loved it because, uh, yeah, I, I went out with someone then who absolutely loved it. So I was a proxy. I had to watch it. And then when I returned from uni, I had a brief spell of working for Marks and Spencers in Chelsea. So I actually okay. met quite a few of these people they would come in i'd help them like get their bananas and stuff like that like <laughs> so who, who, who have you met from the made in chelsea cast can you remember any of the names yeah spencer matthews he asked me uh to find him something that was like weird and obscure and i found it for him and then oh god am I rem- i'm not remembering this incorrectly but it's like i don't remember the lead up to this but he then we had like a quick back and forth like we never met each other he's just like yeah. quick back and forth and he went da probably because I'm such a dickhead. And then I went to him, you're not a dickhead, Spencer. And then I sort of walked away and he smiled. <laughs> and then another one, I used to see Proudlock. I don't know what yes. his real name, if that was his real name. Uh, yeah, Proudlock was his surname. Yeah, okay. Surname. I used to see him. He used to come in for his lunch every single day. And um, I served him once. And I sort of would say, like, okay, have a nice day. And he said, you too. And I went, well, I'll try. And he, like, audibly laughed at that. And I was, like, one of the 
I'm like, oh, am I cool or not? <laughs> I'm sure there's, some, yeah. there's probably some American listeners now, like what on earth they're talking about. Made in Chelsea, I think the very first scripted reality show was Laguna Beach. Did you ever used to watch that? No, I didn't watch no, that. No, so well, it became The Hills. I don't know if you watched okay, that. Okay, yeah, The Hills, yeah. Yeah, I shouldn't say it became The Hills. The Hills was kind of a spin-off on that. So this is what we're talking about, like a London version. But Spencer Matthews talks about wasted days hungover and how you're not mm. your optimum self. Um, so yeah, I might give it a go. I'm not saying forever, but I've had a few hangovers yeah. recently where I'm just like, this is just not, I'm just not sure this is worth it, if that makes sense. So yeah, yes. we'll see. We shall see. Watch this space. I might just be a load of bluster. I'll have a really good summer. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not going to give up drinking at all. Yeah. So maybe I'll yeah. go okay. holiday. Yeah, so we'll, 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 you may be able to hold we'll me do. Yeah, we'll bring that conversation back round when it comes to August, end of yeah, August. Yeah, I will be drinking it uh, all in 100%. Okay. After, I've got, we've got a holiday plan for just afterwards, and then I may stop for a few months thereafter. But I want yeah. the whole shebang. Like, I want to be doing social things with other people drinking. I want to I feel what it's like. So I'm I am committed to this. So we'll see. Yeah, Interesting. We'll, we'll see. We shall see. Now, off the world of sobriety and into a world where I doubt very many people were sober, if we're honest, in 1987. And we... <laughs> are going to be looking back at three episodes from the Universal Western Federation from May of 1987. And first up, I, I should say as well, we talked about this off air. I, th- I can't remember what podcast we have. You have been on since then, at least a couple of times. But I remember last summer we did a podcast while I was in air-conditioned office doing it and you were sweating. I think your, your, your sweat was dripping off your forehead into your mouth during the podcast. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. And and we have done a few. I think that was our last solo episode. Yeah. Um, I had... It was probably one of the hottest days of the year, definitely. Well, maybe in the UK ever. And I remembered that. So I had my window closed. And that day I had a three-hour pitch meeting with, with, with a potential client. And I had to present, like, on camera. And normally just, like, you and me chatting now is fine, right? Yeah. But when you're, like, focused and you're sweating and you know you're sweating, it was horrible and i couldn't just wear like a v-neck or like a sleeveless top like i yeah, did yeah. then on the pod but then i was just dripping with sweat and then when we came to record the podcast it was still so hot it was just, i think it was, <laughs> it was over it was over 30 degrees it had to uh, be. Celsius, celsius that day i'm just just googling percentage of air-conditioned homes in the uk because we don't this is the thing that our american listeners don't really understand it's 77 degrees here today fahrenheit um but we don't have air conditioning so even though no. every single year there's a last year we got up to 40, didn't we, in terms of Celsius, which is over yes. 100 Fahrenheit. So yeah. under five percent of homes in the UK have uh, air conditioning. So every year we get stuff like this, and our homes are just not. Our homes are built for insulation and keeping yeah. the warmth in. I can't even have a fan on in this little room because it makes too much noise. So I'm literally sweating. So I'm just out of shower. I'm going to be stinking by the end of this. So yeah, yeah, luckily for the listeners, you can't sign up to a Patreon or something and get a smell from my armpit. Though perhaps I should do that. It's a bit niche, isn't it? I could send little like some yeah. sort of like kind of uh, pH paper or something out in the post in a sealed bag for anyone that's $25 value level. $50, yeah. $50. Value. Oh, $50. Oh yeah, of course. You, 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 aren't, you aren't cheap. Yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> $50. Right. On to the show. So we got a recap to open um, this week's episode, the first episode from May the 9th, 1987, of the tag title change when Terry Taylor appeared to knock Chris Adams' foot off the rope with some degree of deliberateness before he was pinned. Uh, so Jim Ross on commentary, he talks about UWF Commissioner John Ayres putting together a match between Terry Taylor and Chris Adams for the UWF 
heavyweight title plus number one contendership. Um, I actually haven't checked with my mics working, which is it is on. So I presume you've been able to hear me this whole time, uh, Callum. I presume I you're can hear me you. loud and clear. Yeah. Perfect, perfect. Yeah, yeah. I didn't. I don't, haven't tested because I've got a new gadget. I don't know if you can tell that. It looks very good, by the way. I'm yeah, gonna be thank honest. you. Thank you. These aren't the days of a few years ago where no. where we were finding this in. This, your setup <laughs> looks very good. So I bought myself because, and the reason for this is I sound quiet on the random wrestling review. Because those tapings tend to be quite long. So it's usually like a three-hour session, even though yes. Ben magically edits it down to about two and a half hours. But I, I slouch. So if I do that, I'm further away from the microphone. Yes. So, and it's like on the desk. So I bought this arm so I can kind of like see where I am and get a bit closer to it. So Just, just yeah. on that, I actually just wanted to give a shout-out to the Random Wrestling Review guys. So um, I um, through you, I discovered them um, sort of fairly recently and – me and uh, my girlfriend have basically just returned from a, a like a massive holiday in Laos, Cambodia, mm. which was like dodgy Wi-Fi, terrible. So I loaded up on all podcasts I could get my hands on. And the random wrestling review guys saved me so many times. And there was one particular story where, where we were doing an overnight bus. It was collectively 32 hours. Oh, my God. Trains and bus to get across the border. And... I filled it with their content. And so I just want to give a shout out to those guys because they do a fantastic podcast. And um, yeah, and, and when you appear on it as well, that's always a good laugh as well. Thanks. Uh, no, I re- I'm sure they've really appreciated it. I, I, for some reason, I wanted to jump in and say, and obviously it's got a lot better since I've regularly appeared. So <laughs> um, yeah, clearly. Right, where was I? I messed that last bit up because I was worried about my microphone, which which I understand is now working. You were just doing the working recap. Fine. Yeah, so yeah, so we, so we were going to do Taylor and Adams for the... UWF heavyweight title number one contendership. Big Bubba Rogers versus Steve Cox would also be on the show, plus Steve Williams versus Wild Bill Irwin. Uh, and he also mentioned that we'd see a match from the archive with Magnum TA, who would be there next week on commentary. So what we, we've, we've discussed off air, we're going to whiz through some of the uh, squash matches on these cards and focus on some of the main uh, the main bits. So um, first up, Ice Making Parsons decked out in a very fetching pink number versus Jeff Rates. Uh, Ross said the wrestling world was a buzz and they had received a lot of telegrams regarding Big Bubba Rogers winning the UWF title. Uh, Parsons won this with a clothesline off the second rope in 223. If you've got nothing to add, Callum, we will move on. May I was just going to say, you picked gr- three great episodes to review. The the story of Terry Taylor and Chris Adams um, weaves seamlessly through all of these three. So um, I was just going to say uh, congrats on that one. They They work really well together. Well, it wasn't really out of it's pure chance these three what? have been to get together. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's, it's just basically as they as they come along now. My grand um, so we, return to the podcast. I know. I didn't save anything. Well, I do think you've got something pretty special actually here. Yes, actually, um, yeah. and this will be titled uh, Taylor versus Adams episode six because that is the key part of this whole thing. Uh, so we got a clip of Magnum TA. And it was him wrestling Mr. Wrestling 2 from the Tulsa Fairgrounds on May the 13th, 1984, when he regained the North American title. Uh, and I think it's fair to say that, that um, the crowd was happy about this. And that's a massive understatement. Did you have you watched the Magnum Dark Side of the Ring at all? No, I really want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah I really want to. I've heard so much stories and, and um, I'll, I'll ask you a question when we come to next week. But yeah, I, I really want to dive more into this chap's career because, yeah, wow, yeah. 
Yeah, perhaps. We'll, well, I'll, I'll. You can ask that later. Later on, we'll t- we'll touch back on Magnum TI a little bit later. Um, anything to add on the Alka Seltzer OxyClean or Tegrin shampoo adverts? I've seen these I'll before. Oh, you've seen? It? Yeah, I was yeah. going to say because they did run right through my big uh, my uh, my notes um, or my 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 big letter in notes says we have adverts, which uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean they're not as great as the ones we've had in the past, but. Uh, <sighs> Yeah, I mean Pete Rose like shilling some shampoo that had no marketing around it, very bland um uh bottle to it was like, okay, so we're just gonna spend all the money on Pete Rose and hopefully that sells a bunch of uh, <laughs> I suppose this was uh pre-Pete Rose being disgraced, I guess. Um <laughs> so the big one was next. Terry Taylor, who did get a few boos from the crowd, versus Chris Adams for the UWF number one contendership. Uh, Ross talks about the adversity that Magnum had faced and how they were looking forward to welcome back to the show in a week's time. And Ted DiBiossi would also be there the week after, albeit I'm pretty sure he won't be wrestling, albeit we'll see in due course. Um, Taylor took a spill to the outside and seemed to have a bad leg. Uh, the former tag champion shook hands after this. It was still friends at this point. Uh, we saw some very concerned looking ladies at ringside with some even more concerning looking haircuts. Um, they went to a break at six minutes. So uh, we got a lovely French rope bracelet. And then again, we got a grating insert promo during a match, which seems to be a theme, which is really annoying. Uh, this time with Sting wearing mm. some tremendous ski goggle type glasses and Rick Steiner. Um, I thought Sting was really good here, showing some great personality, talking about how there was no controversy in the finish of that tag team title match and the wimps didn't stand a chance. Uh, Rick was okay, but not as good as Sting. Albeit, this was too long. It's just too, you don't want to see this in the middle of the match. What, do you have anything to add on this promo before we get back into the Adams versus Taylor bits? Yeah, I, I actually thought it was like a really good heel promo. Um, Sting Sting being a heel was actually quite fun. So you don't really get to see yeah. that much of him, do you? So uh, it actually was really enjoyable. But yeah, uh, a little bit too long. Um, you just I, I just wanted to get back to the match. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, back to the ring. Adams kicked out of a Taylor gut wrench suplex and Taylor was then nearly caught in a great cradle out of another suplex. And I thought this got really good and exciting towards the end, uh, perhaps after too many rest holds in the early going. Uh, a double clothesline led to Adams falling out over the commentary table next to Ross. Taylor then went after him. Uh, he threw Adams back into the ring, uh, but then hesitated a moment uh, and then slingshotted back into the ring like a famous boxer. You see, I think maybe Chris Eubank. Do you remember that? Chris mm, Eubank, you said Nassim yeah. Hamid, you do the flip, but I think the I think Eubank, Eubank's probably be, be before your time, I'd imagine, isn't he? I yeah, think, it's only yeah. stuff on tape that I've seen of his. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, in in hesitating, Taylor was counted out by the referee, and Taylor was furious. Uh, and this finish was was bad after such a contest, but I think I understand. Well, we do understand why we did that. They did it, and we'll get there. So, what do you think of this first running of Talons versus ta- Talons? Taylor versus Adams here. <laughs> yeah, it did start off quite slow. There were just arm drags and rest holes, and I thought, oh my God. Um uh Jim Ross actually did really good to build up the story of them still being friends and being tag team partners. Yeah. Uh, I think it was really good. And then when we did come back from the commercials and the promo, um it really picked up then, didn't it? It yeah, really it picked up. They were doing reversals, which I'm guessing as they were a tag team, they knew each other's moves step back and forth. Um, and I actually did audibly groan when we got the uh, the count out, you know, yeah. the finish, because I was genuinely enjoying this match. And um, well, as as we would come to see, uh, this would not be the end. No, this would not be the end. 
Uh, next up, they replayed the promo from last week with Skandar and Big Bubba Rogers. Uh, and they talked about how the one-man gang had got lazy and hence why he had aligned himself with the new champion. The one-man gang had got lazy in Titan Sports' WWF. Uh, anything to add on Skandar and Big Bubba before we move on to uh, Bubba in action? Yeah, not really. Just standard promo, I guess. Yeah, we can um, we, we can move we can on. Move yeah. on. So Big Bubba was our new UWF champion. Uh, he was in action next against Steve Cox. And presumably Mr. Cox's push had been terminated by this point, given my presumption that he would be destroyed in short order. And Cox was back to his favourite style of selling, which is shaking his head so that the hair on the back of his head, overuse of the word head there, flicked about <laughs> and like kind of pretended to be choked. Uh, and this on this went on uh, for three, not all that entertaining minutes before Dr. Death came down to ringside, uh, sticking up for his protege, clearly. Uh, and Skandar then got into the ring and invited Williams in. Williams then pulled Cox out of the middle of, uh, of the match, um, which I thought was ridiculous. Like, why are they protecting this guy against a new champion? Uh, Ross tried to make this out to be a huge deal, but I kind of found it a bit boring and long. What do you think of uh, old Stevie Cox and Bubba Rogers here? Yeah, it was it was weird. I even put in my um, notes that nothing was really going on, even until Steve Williams came out. It was it was a bit bizarre. Although um, Big Bubba, he uh, there was so Jim Ross said, "Oh, this man can perform moves that you wouldn't think possible." And I thought, okay, yeah, fine, hyperbole. But then he did what was close to an axe kick. Yeah, like it, yeah. Was, it was more of a front kick and axe kick, and I was like, "Oh my god, that actually okay, fair enough." Like that was that was quite impressive from a what six foot eight, however many pounds, man. He That's was massive here as well, wasn't he? Crazy. Because do you remember him from his fu future Big Boss Man? Run? So he was Big Boss Man, right? Yeah, exactly. But he was yeah. actually early in the WWF run when he was a heel. He was the, he had the same size. But then after he split with Akeem around WrestleMania six time, he really dropped a lot of weight. So he, he was right. a very solid worker, like exciting, I, I thought, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I agree. Uh, back from break, Ross said that we'd see Savannah Jack and Chavo Guerrero in tag action for the first time. And next week, Magnum, Chris Adams then turned up and he apologised for interrupting. He said he was a little bit upset. Everyone saw what happened. He said they had a double knockout. Terry tried to help back in the ring and he was counted out. He said he wanted Ross to strike that from the records. He didn't want to win like that. And I thought, what an idiot. Um, you've got a world title match here. Just take it. Um, yeah. Ross said he didn't have the authority to strike from the record books, but John Ayres did. But perhaps he could sign a rematch. Uh, Adams said he would like that if possible. And then Terry came down to ringside and Adams apologised to him and offered a handshake. Taylor said, if, that, if after what happened, you're willing to give me another match, you did... Uh, what? If after what happened, you're willing to give me another match, you did win that one. That's terrible note-taking, but something along those lines. Something um, like that. Something along those lines. So basically, he was still kind of baby-facing here. Yes, he was, yeah. Um, Taylor said he thought Adams was a hell of a man to give him a rematch, and that's something to look forward to next week. Uh, we then went to break with some music that sounded like it could have come straight out of an 80s adult film. Uh, what do you think about Adams kind of turning down the victory here? And getting a getting a rematch signed with Taylor, it's really strange because it will bleed into more what Magnum says in the next episode. But that type of thing, hey, if you're a real man, you're gonna own up to your mistakes and do it the right way. And that's never in wrestling that just doesn't fly, right? You're a combat sport. You're meant to win. That is the thing, 100%. right? That that is the end goal is to win. Yep. And if there is a rule. Um, that allows you to win and you benefit from that just 
chalk it up to, hey, that's exactly what we all signed up for. And that's what happened. And let's yep. move on. Yeah, yeah. Ultimately, Taylor hesitated and made a mistake, didn't he? So it's on. It's kind of on him. Yes, yes. Um, yeah. On the subject of combat sports, have you watched the Conor McGregor documentary on Netflix? Oh, I've watched the first episode. I didn't know um, it was a full parter when I stuck it yeah. on. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I Go don't want to give you any spoilers, so I'll, okay. I'll wait. We'll, we'll we'll hold that conversation for a future future date. Okay. Um, yeah. Well, that's a teaser and a half, isn't it? Yeah. Have you seen him on Ultimate Fighter at all? <laughs> again i saw the first episode i see clips of this stuff like with yeah Connor, it's just i'm not watching until I'm not there's a watch fight until there's a fight announcement i'm just done like i'm yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm give me a fight announcement and then i'll care you know this is not yeah. 2016 2018 anymore no. this is he needs to fight and then i'll care yeah yeah i agree and i i can't i watched about twin uh probably about 15 minutes of tough the other night but i wasn't really paying attention to it i just yeah. kind of thought this is so dead now like i used to yes, love it a fighter but it's such a played out thing um yeah i just couldn't get into it mcgregor looked like he's had a very tough last couple of years and also his face is very like I, you know i don't want to cast aspersions but i suspect he might have been the old titan sports protein shakes over the last uh because he's not even out of your you how do you say you usada usada there you go thank you you saved my bacon he definitely there. has to film he did the roadhouse or he he is doing the roadhouse film right okay. i say he has but it's yet to come out um 100 he did something for that and he was coming off his injury as well um, there's right. loopholes to this stuff. There's always loopholes. I, I just don't really understand because he, they said in the documentary, and then this is giving anything away because I think it's pu- you know, public knowledge. So yeah. I think he made $600 million on that whiskey sale or something. Did yes. He? Yes, he did. Yeah. I mean, why would you ever do anything like, why would you ever fight again? I never would ever, ever put myself in any danger. I'd literally be surrounded by yeah. massive bodyguards at all times. Like, I would never, like, why would you <laughs> fight? You can never, yeah. $600 million. I think you'd struggle to spend that in your life. You really would, because it's just not yeah. that much stuff you can. What can you buy? I mean, I suppose you could buy a load of property, but what's the point? Like, you couldn't get any use out of it, could you? So, I mean, when he's no. traveling, there's a bit where he's there is a slight spoilers here. But he's traveling to fight Ireland on a yacht that looks like it's worth about fifty million dollars. It's just like this guy is rich, obscenely rich. So why why do it? Just chill out, Connor. Just chill out. Don't fight again. Um, on to back onto the UWF, Eddie Gilbert, the TV champion, was on commentary with Ross. Angel Mohammed was in action against Mike Reed of EastEnders fame. Uh, the Angel finished <laughs> him off uh, in less than 90 seconds of the power drive. It looked quite dangerous. Uh, Gilbert afterwards said he had more going for him than Akbar's man. Uh, anything, any thoughts on this before we move on to Steve Williams? Yeah. No, yeah, we, no. we can move on to the Steve Williams stuff, Excellent. which was um, fantastic, yeah. So Steve Williams at ringside of Jim Ross, and Ross said the big news was that Big Bubba was the new heavyweight champion of the world. Now, this is interesting because they hadn't been previously calling this a world title. So I don't know whether you're up to that on the episode, but essentially, a, a little bit earlier than this, Bill Watts was bought out by Jim Crockett Promotions. So the yep. UWF for the remainder of 1987 was essentially a part of the National Wrestling Alliance, but they they retained the TV and built this into their TV tapings. So I think the reason they started talking about this being a World Heavyweight Championship is because down the line, they wanted to have NWA World Title versus UWF World Title, and it just made more sense to call it that. But I I don't even know if they ever actually got there because unfortunately, basically what happened is Jim Crockett got into some financial difficulties and they decided to slim down the television taping schedule at the end of 87 and that, and the, the show just went off the air. So, so we're near the end now of uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, but back to Williams, he said he put all the effort in the gym and it was his time. 
He said you had to put the films together, put the VCR together and check out the guy. He said he would be world champion. Um, I thought this was fine from Williams, albeit, again, I thought this was quite long. His promo, right? Yeah. yeah. I, yeah. Thought... I wasn't thinking anything else was quite long. I'm not sure that was on display, was it? <laughs> Um, his uh he just seemed to fumble over a couple of words as yeah. well like the specific stuff he fumbled over but then the generic you know hey meet me in the ring you know that was absolutely fine he did that crisp as anything but it was just those those detailed parts where it's kind of like oh okay you can wrap this up now it doesn't need to be uh doesn't need to keep keep going on yeah, and I think he he's fine. Like this has never never been yeah. never been like kind of a massive strong point of his. He's fine, but if you put him in a situation where he's got a lot of words and a lot, of, like they've said to him, so basically none of this would have been scripted. They would have said to him, you know, and he would have, I'm sure he'd have put some thought into this, but speak for three minutes. That's quite long. Like just oh, yeah. just speaking about you know off the cuff uh, for someone that's not nat naturally maybe a um, you know doesn't like this sort of stuff perhaps but yeah this it was okay but too long uh, yeah Williams... it shows it shows when like you get ted dibiase later on uh the difference between the two given the promos was um i thought it was like chalk and cheese yeah yeah, yeah to your ma point yeah massively so williams was in action next against wild bill Irwin, and ross said he was number 76 for the oklahoma sooners but he's number one in the fans hearts uh, and the crowd were big into Williams, and he won in just over five minutes with a stampede power slam. I thought this was pretty good while it um, while it lasted. Certainly good fun, anyway. Yeah, I really enjoyed the match. That that was my um, notes. Was really enjoyed the match. Great pace, crowd going crazy for all all Steve Williams moves. I mean, he was very charismatic in the ring, wasn't he? Yeah. And um, I was just doing a little bit of research into these guys, just just kind of filling in the blanks. And, like he was only twenty seven, so he. He was was he still relatively early-ish in his career? Yes. Not not early, early, but um, he'd yet to go to Japan. And uh, he'd gone to Japan name. by this point, but not all. He oh, hadn't done gone. that many tours. Maybe he may, may oh. have been going to Japan for maybe a year, uh, yeah. but not a huge amount. So I might not look that up actually. While you carry on, yeah, he was. Yeah, he was twenty-seven. If if my research is correct at this time, and um, just seemed to own it in the ring, just be a, a ring general at this stage was um, I, I thought was uh was incredible yeah very very charismatic and the crowd just going nuts for everything he was doing i highly recommend checking out some of his um some of his stuff uh from japan particularly some tag matches and, and the such like there's mm. i think there's a there's tag match with him maybe misawa and a few others that um it was five actually uh oh joe he might have done new japan actually so he, his first tour to all Japan was in um, 1990 yeah i think i might have mentioned this on the show before so he went off to do um, he went off to do New Japan first while his tag team partner in UWF, uh, DiBiase, was a long-time wrestler in um, All Japan. So, yeah, all so, Japan, right? yeah. yeah, so Steve Williams made his debut in New Japan in July 87. Uh, July 86, I nailed that by saying his first tour was in 86. What a nice. memory. What an incredible memory. Uh, <laughs> not anything useful that's going to make me any money in life, but I can remember when Steve Williams' first Japan tour was. Um, that's it for the first week. So the episode uh, I thought was really strong, especially the Taylor Adams stuff. And that is so far away above everything else in this promotion at the moment. And, and as, as I've said before, Terry Taylor, he's impressing me more and more with every week that goes by. Um, before we move on to episode two, any, any thoughts on this first week of UWF fun? Yeah, no, really, really good. And as I said at the top, these three episodes blend so well together. Just the tale of, Terry and Chris Adams is uh, 
really fun stuff to watch play out. Yeah. And I kind of, uh, maybe the era of binge watching was fantastic because waiting a week between that stuff must have been yeah, absolute imagine. agony, right? Yeah, absolutely. I, I absolutely. just press hit, like, play on the next, uh, <laughs> next video. It was fantastic, yeah. It's so good. <laughs> uh, right, so on to the May 16th, 1987 episode, and we've got a recap of Taylor and Adams and the finish from last week. Uh, we got a shot of Jim Ross at ringside with Magnum TA, Magnum's return. He had a sling on his right arm, but otherwise I thought he looked pretty good. Um, and this was seven months after Magnum's career-ending car crash, mm. uh, which caused what doctors described as his C4 and C5 vertebrae to explode and lead to the right side of his body being paralyzed for many months thereafter. And um, what was the Magnum thing that you uh, you wanted to bring up? It, it was exactly what you just clarified. Um this is obviously after his car accident and I'm guessing one of the first times that audience would have seen him again. I think he made an appearance for Crockett for this. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So I, th- I believe he did. Um, but this is the first time that the kind of old Mid-South or now UWF audience yeah. would have seen him since that, he that was still a, That was still a shock. I mean, like his arm is in a sling and I, I don't know if it was what he's wearing, but he'd obviously lost muscle mass, right? Yeah. If you'd not been training at all, I mean, cardio, weightlifting, clearly he couldn't have done any of that um he just looked thin thinner than i've usually seen him and um i mean yeah he couldn't even hold a mic i guess right because he had one arm in a sling the other arm was in a crutch and yeah um uh, jim ross was passing the mic back and forward incredible to see him and he took he he got a really good pop from the from the crowd but um yeah like um wow i'm I'm very much looking forward to diving into the the documentary you recommended there. Yeah, you should. It's definitely worth watching. I mean, Magnum was due to beat Flair for the title at Starcade 86. So he was going to be world champion. Uh, This guy was similar sort of age to Ultimate Warrior. I think there's a month, a month apart between the two. So he was young. You know, this was 1986, 87. This guy had everything. He had the looks, he had the body. He was really good in ring. And he was was really good really early in ring because Mid-South was really his second kind of big promotion after Florida. Um, and his stuff was just great. There was a great kind of teacher-protege um, angle with him and uh, Mr. Wrestling 2. They were tag champions. That Wrestling 2 turned on him. It was just such good stuff. Like, it was yeah. really, really incredible. So, yeah, it's such a, such a shame and, and what might have been, basically. Oh, um, so sad. Yeah. yeah. Ross said that in the hour, we'd get the Taylor and Adams rematch, plus Barry Windham would make his UWF debut and an interview with Dr. Death and Ted DiBiossi. Uh, Bob Bradley was out with a lovely pair of animal print trunks. This is the sort of thing that you rock on a date night, Callum, some animal print wife runs. Yeah, yeah, I think we've talked about this, haven't we, in the past? <laughs> yeah, our, our date and escapades. <laughs> yeah, this Croydon. is... <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. The book is not ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so after Big Bubba Rogers, this is the second Crockett starter wrestling promotion. Obviously, Barry Windham's known for predominantly known for Crockett. Uh, he won in one minute and 50 seconds with an exaggerated jumping clothesline. Uh, he hit a good looking drop kick in the match as well. Um, and at ringside, he was interviewed by Magnum, and the former tag partners had a nice little cuddle. Uh, Magnum said he was here to chase down the world. Sorry, Windham said he was there to chase down the world champion. And it appeared to me that there was certainly a push, as I said earlier on, to start calling the UWF top title a world title um barry said he chases the world champions and he's the one they're afraid of uh, what did you think of the match in the little post-match interview here yeah i mean it was a it was a quick win i guess it was probably more to set up the interview afterwards with, with magnum yes. and, and just to get a bit of screen time between those two which was uh, which was great yeah yeah uh after this williams and dibiossi were interviewed by a blonde lady called tony uh williams said it was great to 
uh, William said it was great to see him back. Who back? Magnum, I guess. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, they... so. <laughs> I think so. Quite And he said they've got a big thing going here, Big Bubba Rogers. Problem with these notes, I took these white notes weeks ago, so I haven't got a clue what happened on any of these shows until I reread it again. Because it's just like my, it just goes in and it goes straight back out again. But now See, it's can I, back uh, I'm, I'm not showing you up here, but I'm just saying I've got the three screens going on. So I've got you in the middle. Yeah. I've got the replays of the events on the main television. And then on the Mac, I've got my notes. So I'm just, I've got all screens here, that buddy. That is a professional yeah. outfit right there. Unprof- the only professional thing in this room is my microphone. Arm, it's the microphone. Else. Yeah. Jealous of that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, what I didn't know was it came with another microphone, which I didn't need because I thought it was just the <laughs> arm. So, yeah, that's all I think. <laughs> I'm just in it. Like, I'm going on holiday in a few weeks' time. I've got a boys' golf trip. I've lost the plot, Callum. I've lost the plot. Yes, I'm yes. buying golf shorts, shirts every day. Charlotte's opening them all. It's just not good. It's not, I'm like, it's they're not on good. They're on sale. They're on sale. But yeah. are they really on sale? Was Who it knows? the bit, what the Billy Mad? What, what was the uh, Adam Sandler? Happy Gilmore. Uh, Happy Gilmore. Yeah, I heard about that. Yeah. I've even got myself a pair of Jordan golf shoes as well. Oh really? Yep. <laughs> okay, okay. I have, yeah, I have. Um, so yeah, I'm not. I think that's probably a golfing midlife crisis right there. But who cares? <laughs> uh, right. Uh, so back to back to Williams. Uh, he said basically that Williams. Um, Williams said he saw it himself and that everything shook like a California earthquake when Big Bubba Rogers was in the ring with Steve Cox. He said all they needed to do was get Scandar to put one of their names on a dotted line. DBOC said he'd been in the ring with a one-man gang, and if Rogers were able to come in and beat him, he must be a tough guy. He added they were still a team, and Gilbert Steiner and Sting better keep an eye over their shoulder. Uh, by the time this aired, Ted had already wrestled his last match in the UWF. Um, and strangely enough, would actually face a one-man gang in his WWF debut 22 days later. Uh, and perhaps even more bizarre than all of that was that he was a babyface during that first run in the WWF. Uh, until he came back from a summer tour of all Japan. Now, clearly he was both facing in UWF, but he's most famous for his run as a heel. Um, Tony, in her interview debut, seemed somewhat lost. What do you think of this segment? <laughs> somewhat lost is a good, good uh, <laughs> description, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, it was really nice to kind of see them as, as a, I guess, they're, they're, they are the, they're the team, right? They're, they're yes, the team together. Yeah. Um, I did wonder who he was saying it was nice to see you back. I mean, if, if you're saying that to your friend that you're, buddies with every single day it's a bit weird thing to say so it must have been magnum um it's a shame you said about the you know that's that's ted to be last well that aired after his last match i think we see him one more time don't we i think we see him one more time but i guess we didn't see him in the ring no like, he doesn't you know, wrestle wrestling, any shows yeah which was a real shame because i i was look i was then looking forward to stuff with them uh yeah. coming up and stuff like that but um yeah again sadly uh, we won't i mean my my notes were hopefully great things to come <laughs> i guess not <laughs> there are no great things to come no um, no great things to come yeah well my arm's playing up a bit now which is not not good perhaps this needs a little, little tightening perhaps your um, microphone arm for the listeners not your arm. actual arm no not my actual arm my actual arm no. is okay Thankfully. Uh, yeah, that's annoying. I have to sort that in a second. Um, we got the Alka-Seltzer ad, which I feel like I've seen 900 times. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then an insert promo with Skandar, Big Bub uh, and Tony. Skandar gave her some immediate feedback by saying she needed to hold the microphone closer to his face. He said he was the godfather and the general and his purpose was to destroy men. He said that he'd get on well with Commissioner Ayers as long as he came to him before any title matches. He told them to line them all up. Rogers had on a Blues Brothers style hat 
along with uh but along with blue jeans and a yellow unironed polo shirt i didn't think it was a great look um this was fine but like all of these insert promos a bit long and i'm a little bit bored of scandal spiel at this point what did you think of this i'm really glad you said that because i didn't know if it was just me but yeah akbar is he just he just seems to me he just says the same things over and over again and i actually did uh i tuned out of, <laughs> of what he was saying after a while because I just thought, um, yeah, he's just say, he's basically saying the same thing over and over again. And fine, he'll promote. Yes, I'm representing the big man who's going to squash you, who's going to absolutely run over you. Um, no one's better than him, and I'm lucky to be his manager. Look what I can bring. That type of thing. It was, yeah, not, nothing really original to, to chat about, unfortunately. No, I touched this thing, and it's. I think it's okay again now. But it's 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 the law of physics, isn't it? Basically, if it it needs to be more of a right angle than just basically flat, because it's not going to stay up. If it's flat, but no, it looks good there. I'm sure this is tremendously interesting for all the listeners. The the trials and tribulations of my new microphone arm. Gantry's been a little <laughs> bit lower. Uh, next up, Bobby Howe versus Vladimir Petrov. Petrov was another import from the NWA who'd been around at the very end of 1986 and into 1987 but did very little after that until he returned for two spots in the WRF in October 1990 as Al Blake. Al Blake sounds oh. like kind of someone's nondescript neighbour from some sort of terrible comedy show. Um, what are you watching mm. at the moment on TV? Anything anything of interest? What, in like TV right now or actual TV itself? No, 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 no. In TV, TV world. A, oh. a non-UWF related question. Oh, okay. I've got a really good tip. I think I might have said it to you when we've been out and about, but um, um, Apple TV have an amazing show called For All Mankind. Okay. No, I haven't, but we do have Apple TV. It's stunning. Like, finish up whatever you're watching now and then tune over to that. So For All Mankind, it's into its third season and they are filming the fourth season right now. Well, they might have already finished it, actually. It's coming out later. But it's a alternate reality of if the hey look at this for a segue talking about a russian uh russian wrestler it's if the russians landed on the moon first ah, okay that's great yeah, it's yeah. so good it's Shot. so so good i don't even want to say anything more about that because i'm start gonna spoiling message story right lines. now and say we should watch this um, yeah and i think jfk doesn't get assassinated so he's still in fact like I, I'm I'm just going to stop talking about it right now because I'm just going to deliver spoilers about how amazing it is. But it's into the third season. Third season finished, I think, November last year um, with a crazy cliffhanger. And it's not just about it's not just about a space race or anything like that. If you're put off by sci-fi stuff, there's actually some incredible um, some incredible uh, personal story development. Yeah. And actually, two of the main people, um, I'm not going to say who, I'm not going to say what happens to them, but something happens to them, they get together, and then what happens to them next is, I mean, I don't cry that much at TV shows, um, but whoa, just watching that was, there were tears running down me. But like, no, I, I and when it finished, that episode, I just sat there, you know, you know, like after the Red Wedding in Game of Thrones, you don't yeah, know what yeah. to do after yourself. You just sit there going, what have I just watched? <laughs> it was up there with that. So I would highly recommend uh, All Mankind and Apple TV. Excellent. Um, strange segue after that. Are you watching Love Island? Of course I'm not, Steve. <laughs> oh, my God. That is... Well, is you know it... what? 
Go on, go on, go on. You go first. You go first. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say the floor is yours to, uh, to try and get me into it or not. But... No, no, no. Have you ever watched it? No. no not your, me... Do you not into not into reality dating shows at all? Yeah, I, I think I like watched it like a one episode of someone who I was trying to date, and they said, "Oh, you know," and I thought, "Oh, this would be great. I'll watch something <laughs> that they like, so I can talk to them about it." But no, it was like <laughs> I've never, I've never been able to watch any of that stuff. So you don't watch like Love Is Blind or anything like that on Netflix? That's all like the the only thing that really got me gripped was. Uh, the the married at first sight but the australian version yeah everyone always talks about that but i've never got in i've never really watched a married at first sight australia i watched the uk version but yeah not um oh yeah the uk version is pathetic compared to australian version and i think they whoever it was like channel four bought the rights to it all of like all past seasons in in lockdown because they needed just content right they just Mm. needed content and they were chucking this stuff out there was two episodes a day I just absolutely loved it. That's the only ever reality show setup show that's ever caught caught me. Yeah, how interesting. Um, we we're just watching a really good show on Apple TV called Shrinking. Shrinking. Okay. Shrinking. Shrinking. Is it called Shrinking? With Jason Segel and Harrison Ford in it. Oh really? Oh yeah. yes, I have heard of this. Yeah, you should watch it. It's really good. It's like a kind of got get the feel sort of comedy. It's very, very good. It's very good. I do I like Jason Siegel as well. I really yeah. like his stuff. Yeah. He's oh, really okay. good. Definitely recommend it. Um, right. A little little pop culture and current affairs nice. break. Then we're back to Vladimir Petrov, who was jacked to the gills. And at ringside, Eddie Gilbert was shown watching on. Ross said he had no knowledge of any association with Vladimir. And Vladimir won in one minute and 15 seconds with the Rus- Russian sickle, which is a clothesline. Um, and Petrov wasn't really that impressive. Uh, what do you think of uh, Vladimir's? UWF yeah, just, yeah, just quick squash match. Um, but uh, Petrov, I mean, incredible shape. I mean, yeah, yeah. like bloody hell, he's chiseled. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> right now, I've got a bone to pick the show, which you may have, may or may not have spotted, which I think you okay. probably will have done. So we got an advert for the N- for the NWA UWF spectacular, the Atlanta Omni, including seven main events: Wyndham versus Rogers, Kola versus Murdoch. The Freebirds versus Luger, Flair, and Tully Blanchard, and then Adams versus Taylor in the grudge match of the century. They haven't broken up yet. Yeah, yeah. So in this market, wherever this was, wherever this was recorded, presumably somewhere in drivable distance to Atlanta, they spoiled the Adams-Taylor breakup. Yeah. Which is nuts, isn't it? Did you get that at all? Did you, did you, yeah, is... it was weird to me to hear that, and I thought, oh, have I missed something? Yeah, because no, I'm no, no. I'm watching this. Like, if you're watching it in real time, you can kind of pick it up quite quickly. But then I thought, oh, hang on a minute, have I missed something? Is the, is the tape cut something there? But yeah, just like oh, some of this stuff, so easy not to do, you know? Yeah, I know, and I, I just don't really get how that's happened. Uh, but anyway, next up was the big one, the rematch the world was waiting to see, unless you'd not gone to the toilet during the last break and had Jim Ross spoil it. <laughs> um, Chris Adams versus Terry Taylor. But before that, Ross was ringside with Ayers and Magnum. Ross said the match uh, before added with a, ended with a lot of controversy and the rematch had a new time limit of 30 minutes, uh, albeit the time limit had absolutely nothing to do with what happened last week. So I'm not really sure why they did that. Um, both men were in the ring when the ring announcer made their introduction and I thought both got a positive response and Ross put over how admirable it was that Adams had wanted this rematch even though he had technically won the previous encounter 
Uh, the match went through a break at two minutes, uh, but thankfully no more spoiler-filled spots in the break. Uh, during the second part, it picked up quite nicely, including a lovely near fall from an Adams crucifix. Uh, and they went to what Ross called a local break at seven minutes. Uh, back from this, Adams was still in control. Um, Taylor got on top as the match approached the 10-minute mark and hit a couple of really good-looking suplexes. Um, there was a weird bit at 12 and a half minutes when the ref stopped Adams using a punch and held his arms, held his arm, but then Taylor drilled uh, Adams. Uh, the commentators played up some of the tactics of Taylor, including going to the outside to try and regroup. I didn't think this was really too bad, really, what, what Taylor was doing. It was just... It's just like sensible. Um, Adams got the sleeper on in 13 minutes. And it looked like that was going to be it for Taylor. Uh, but just as Taylor's arm looked like it was going to go down for a third time, they went to break, which was really, really grating timing. Um, yeah. back, back after the break, Taylor got his foot on the ropes to break the sleeper. Uh, over 15 minutes, this was comfortably the longest TV match in the time I've been watching this promotion, I suspect probably ever, because they never did stuff like this. Um there was a ridiculous spot in 19 minutes when Carl Fergie, the referee, inexplicably dropped down to try and avoid the wrestlers doing kind of a run in the rope spot. Uh, but he wasn't in the way in the first place. So why did he jump down? It's like he dived. It just was ridiculous. Uh, yeah. He was bumped by Adams. Um, Adams then spilled to the outside and Taylor followed him. And then Terry Taylor drilled Chris Adams with a pile driver so on the good. concrete floor. So this was exquisite. Taylor then rolled back in and the referee recovered and counted out Adams for the Terry Taylor win in just over 20 minutes. Uh, and the crowd didn't really know how to react to this. Some booed, but it wasn't that dirty, was it? I enjoyed this quite a bit. That there were the, that While there were times they slowed down with some chin locks and such, such like it just felt epic and a really key moment in what has been building as, a, as just one of my favourite stories that UWF and Midsaf have done. What do you think of this Taylor Adams 2 here? Yeah, that it was. I mean, it was so good. Um, good match. It didn't really slow that much. I guess. I guess it. It was slow to start because their match the previous week they did have a time limit. They had a uh, a spot to get to, which required it basically not going long. Yeah. Whereas this time they they had time to build up to that. And <clears throat> excuse me, he said about it being a, a longer match. I, I definitely concur with that. Um, if you were in the crowd there, you, you were you were given a real treat, um, and and just such a great callback to the week before where they were on the outside, and the outside activity was what played played into the final uh, the finishing of the match, and um, yeah, the booze from the crowd. I guess they probably didn't really know what to do because they yeah. didn't know where this was going, and and. and um, it was um, it was very enjoyable to see. Yeah, the ref spot was a bit weird, but I think it it wasn't like a a massive botch that took you out of the moment. I didn't think. No, I, I thought no. they kind of covered it up well. They're probably really good pros in the ring anyway. So if it does a little bit of um, messing around and, and changing, they they did it well. And um, yeah, yeah. And then we'll we'll get on to the 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 after match. Uh, interview in a sec but um it was um no that was good it was good fun it was good fun I was, I was glued i was glued to the screen without making notes which sometimes is the, the wrong thing to do <laughs> no it's challenging it's challenging you're, <laughs> you're i i this is why i enjoyed uh guessing a lot on the random wrestling review because i haven't got to do the recap i can just pick out yes. some bits, yes, so much yes. better uh back at ringside after several adverts magnum and ross interview taylor who looked tremendously pleased with himself yeah yeah ross said what they'd seen was very uncharacteristic 
Uh, Taylor said he didn't think it was out of character. He wins virtually every time they see him and he won tonight. It's brilliant, from Taylor. <laughs> Taylor said, where do nice guys finish? He said it was time for him to start moving up the rankings. He said he could beat Rogers, and now Adams knows as well. Magnum said he'd known him for a long time. Uh, long, sorry, Magnum said he'd known him for a long time. And Taylor hilariously patted him on the shoulder and said, best friends. And I thought Magnum nearly cracked here. Uh, Magnum said he couldn't be pleased with that win. And Taylor said, a win is a win. And maybe that wreck affected you, brother. Uh, Ross threw to a videotape um, of the end of the match. And then when he came back, Eddie Gilbert had come down to ringside and told Ross to get off Taylor's back. Gilbert said he'd known him for a long time and told him to stop listening to these people. He's a great athlete and he recognises it. He said he's so great. He really feels he needs someone like him to guide his career. Taylor said while he may have had a chance, uh, while he may have had a change of heart, he doesn't need Eddie Gilbert. Eddie walked off saying that if Taylor ever needed him, he'd be there. Um, Taylor then had a go at Ross for judging him and turning on him. Magnum said he used to have respect for him and the Taylor he knew was dead, bit, bit dark that. And um, mm. Taylor said it was breaking his heart, but he had to go. I thought Terry was brilliant throughout this whole thing. The intrigue was, with Gilbert was great as well. And I just think this guy is at a level I never realised he got to. I was, I'd slag off his babyface character and say like he was so sort of milky and just weak and I couldn't get why anyone would like him. But this guy's so, so entertaining. I don't think this is all that dissimilar to a kind of a young rock when he was in the nation and he was turning on Farouk. Not exactly the same, but like the kind of confidence, cocky mannerisms, kind of playing that kind of sugary, sweet baby face that's a heel. It was just so, so good. I thought the match and angle drove um, what was a really tremendous show, and that was it. Um, what did you think of this whole promo and anything to add on this uh, May 16th, 1987 episode, which is genuinely... Genuinely one of the best episodes I've ever seen of the UWF. Yeah. Yeah, you, you you hit the nail on the head there. Just that sugary, sweet baby face where, I mean, my notes are Taylor's big smiles. Can't really see what all the fuss is about. And he's <laughs> yes. just back and forth with Magnum and the things he says on the fly was so, so funny. And uh, I really like the back and forth he had. And um, yeah, yeah, just... Um, was, I, there's not much to add. I mean, you you summed it up perfectly there. Just um, just really good stuff. I I remember this must have been in the early days where um, we we were doing the you know when I was coming on to do the reviews, and Terry Taylor was complete baby face, and I I did really enjoy his stuff, and then that's where we had a really good conversation about what he actually turned out, like Red Rooster, and just how yeah. much I thought because only I actually didn't know they were the same people um, until going into this stuff and I just thought oh my word what a waste of talent that was yeah. and you're just seeing it unfold here like how good is he at this so, stuff so good fantastic yeah. um yeah and just again just weaving that perfect story through through these episodes here yeah absolutely on to the May 23rd 1987 episode of the Universal Wrestling Federation it started with a recap of the epic Taylor versus Adams match and the pile driver on the floor led to the count out win uh, Ross and Magnum were at ringside again from the Tulsa Convention Center. And they talked about Taylor being a changed man. And Magnum said he'd always admired him, but that's changed now. And he's a man all alone. 
Um, Ross said the American dream, Dusty Rhodes, was in the building, uh, which would be the first time he'd appeared on this show since the autumn of 1983. And that was right around the time wow. I started watching and covering because he was involved in the um, early angles and a couple of weeks of television. Uh, Ross also mentioned J.J. Dillon, the Four Horsemen, having had discussions with John Eyre, and he was in the building also. And Magnum said all the big stars are making their way to the UWF. Uh, and we were right in the early midst of the NWA crossover. And I thought, you know, this promotion has been given a shot of life since these uh, these guys have started appearing. Um, and our first match had the UWF Tag Team Champions, Sting and Rick Steiner versus Bobby Howe and the Glass Man. Um, Sting hit a Vader bomb in the early going. Uh, and this was a total squash with no offensive moves uh, from the Glass Man and uh, Bobby Howe at all. Uh, what do you think of Sting uh, and our Tag Team Champions here? I put a Bobby Howe on the Flash Man. I don't know if that was my autocorrect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, right. Glass Man. Flash Man. Is, I'm not sure which is a worse gimmick for wrestling. A man made out of glass or someone that likes to flash people. Probably <laughs> yes. the sex pest, I'd imagine. <laughs> um, Steiner, incredibly physical in this yeah. match, wasn't he? Just absolutely bulldozing the way through. And then Sting with such a great pin like he just can't even be bothered to hook the leg he just puts his knee down on the guy's chest um and just like looks around like doesn't even bother look down to see if he needs to apply more pressure just um again just such a great way to great way for a heel to cover a guy who he knows is just out of his league yeah Yeah, (laughs) really good big time ross was speaking to the tv champion eddie gilbert eddie said they didn't have any more problems with taylor adams so maybe db and williams could team up and take them on he said there's no other stable that has all the belts and there's no stopping them he said he wanted to direct a word to taylor again he's there if he needs him i thought eddie was good as always was this a bit of beastie boys heading into the break here or is that too early for beastie boys too early maybe yeah i thought Beastie, beastie boys right up your street uh, again, they probably yes, yes, they should be because they're they're one of those um, pioneers, right? But um, formed in nineteen seventy eight. Seventy eight. Oh, yeah. okay. No, well, yeah, I think it was more just when people reference them in like more like modern rap, like and yeah, from, yeah. So yeah, this would have been Beastie Boys because they're Def Jam years. Uh, I think they were signed in following the success of Cookie Puss. Uh, which is, I guess, one of the early albums. <laughs> you talking about me trying to make this PG, yeah. The band began to incorporate rap into their sets. Uh, yeah, so um, Rock Hard was on their singles in 1984. Um, yeah, they uh, they opened for the Sex Pistols in that 1986. Wow. And oh, they, wow. they, um, okay. they, they recorded License to Three in 86 and released it in November 86. So I'm sure that... Um, Yes, it was probably Beastie Boys, I think. Uh, after the break, we got a long recap of the Taylor Adams situation, which I'm not going to go over in detail again, uh, but clearly they're, they're building this up as the key feud in the promotion. Um, this led into another break, and then we got a Taylor... Pro- Crikey, I'm doing a good job here. This led into That's another it. break, and we got a promo with Gilbert and Taylor. Gilbert said it was time for him to give his side of the story. Taylor said it was time for him... What?! Gilbert said it was time to give it. Oh my God, I've lost the plot. Just you too can do hot. this. Just too hot. <laughs> Just too hot. Yeah, Basically, uh, Taylor said uh, he uh, Adams had left him um, as he was supposed to drive. So, so earlier in the story, there was a situation where Adams turned up for a title, a tag team title defense, but Terry Taylor wasn't there. Um, and, he, and he turned up late. So yeah. basically, Taylor had said, Adams was the one who caused the problem because he was supposed to drive and he just left him. Uh, and then Taylor said that he'd saved Adams' life 
Uh, Adams's super kick was rubbish and he could brush it off. And Taylor said he's always been a winner and now no one seems to like it. And Taylor said he's sick of carrying Adams and maybe Magnum had been bumped on the head in his wreck and he doesn't know what Ross's problem was, but he was going to go into the top whether anyone liked it or not. And this was great again. Anything to add on this uh, program? I've done such a good job of recapping. No, he did a really good job. And and Terry Taylor did a great job, I think, of basically giving his side of the story to the montage yeah. we just saw. So we just saw, as you said, like the the lead up or the events that led up to, you know, the current events, um, which was narrated by Jim. And then Terry gave his side of the story, which is, you know, there's there's two sides and then the truth, right? For every yeah. story and then. It was just fun, just again to 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 get his promo and um, find out what his feelings were around it. Uh, Magnum said the situation was horrifying. Tony, good old Tony, was up next with JJ Dillon, and she said, "Hello, everyone. I'm Tony," in a completely yeah. monotone voice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, JJ talks about the Four Horsemen and Flair as the World Heavyweight Champion. He said he's had his hands full with Jim Crockett, and he talks about the lineage of the World Championship going back to Gotch and Hackenschmidt. He said he got a call from John Ayres about some big things. He'd asked him to come to Dallas and he's been in some really hard negotiations. He said Ayres had been approaching his role in the same intensity as he did his football career. And if John could come up with the money, they could see the four horsemen under the UWF banner. Um, again, I thought this was really interesting given um, the, back, you know, the, the behind the scenes uh, situation with his promotion. What did you think of uh, JJ Dillon here? Yeah, you've kind of just uh, taken what I was about to say, really, because the it was so cool to see JJ Dillon on screen. Very, very cool to see him talk. Came across as like a very powerful man and listing off all the accolades of his stable uh, was so fun to hear. And I really love when in wrestling you get the business side coming into it, not not the stupid stuff that that, that all like be presented in ring, but just. Things like, hey, we're going to fly in, we're going to talk with the board, we're going to negotiate contract. Like, I always enjoy when uh, a manager uh, brings that into mm. that particular story. So um, this was really, really fun to see, and um, a great, um, a great couple of minutes there. Yeah, indeed. Uh, Barry Wooden versus Mike Boyette, who has a rest- wrestling record of zero and twenty-three, which was shown again on the <laughs> yes. screen. Uh, Ross speculated as whether this could be the night he finally got a win. But it was not to be for poor Mike as Wyndham won with his clothesline in 105. Callum, thoughts? Anything to add on this one? I think we chalk this down to a squash match. Nothing to add. Squash match and move on. Back from break, yeah. Magnum was shown with Dusty Rhodes and Dusty got a good reaction from the crowd. He said, ain't it good to be alive and see Magnum TA in Tulsa? He said he's seen some of the greatest talent in the world and people were asking him when he was going to grace the UWF ring. He said it was it was the funky like a monkey tour, and then something about a six pack and challenging Big Bubba. He added on the Taylor and Adams situation. He called Adams a great athlete and Taylor a yellow dog, which I thought was very harsh. Um, <laughs> he'd been out for some scotch and sodas with Steve Williams the night before, and Dusty had told Williams he was as pretty as a woman and as mean as a dog, and basically encouraged him to go after Rogers. Uh, there was a li- this was a little bit odd, I thought, in terms of content, but the crowd lapped it, lapped it up. What did you think of Big Dust here? I think he was just doing it to see if he could crack Magnum because Magnum was like looking down or looking away, trying not to smile, trying not to yes. crease up. Um, he was just there, yeah, just fill a bit of promo time and just basically try and get Magnum to 
break character. Yeah. It was just weird, bad. wasn't it? I wonder whether Dusty, I don't really know what Dusty, perhaps we'll see Dusty at some point wrestling, but yeah, this was a bit strange. Um, in, a, in, a, in more sort of slightly strange stuff, Ross encouraged viewers to write in and say who their favourite UWF stars were. Yeah. Um, Iceman King Parsons was out next against Steve Cox. Ross brought up the time limit um, at what he said was five minutes in, but it was close to four. Um, so I thought, oh, we'd really have to suffer through 10 minutes of Steve Cox. And yeah. some of the crowd did chance, go Steve, go. And to be fair to him, he wasn't as bad as some of as he was in some of his first television matches. Um, as Ross talked about Cox surviving, I was really hoping he was going to lose just before the time limit. Um, and they called 10 seconds left and then five seconds later, five seconds left, literally a second later. Um, and this was a 10 minute time limit, Jordan, eight minutes and three seconds. What a waste of space. What did you yeah. think of Cox and Parsons here? The I think the only thing I could talk about was um, there was a nice bit in the mo- uh, in the in the match where Cox showing his inexperience. He still went for a pin even though Iceman's foot was on the rope, just yeah. showing his inexperience. Um, who came up with that? Why they put that in? I don't know, but that added to something that was yeah, basically a pretty much of a nothing match. Yeah. Did you like the foot, the foot on the ropes, or did you dislike yeah. it? Oh, um, what in in terms As of in, like, showing his experience? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I thought it worked. Yeah, it just adds more. It adds more to a uh, match. I feel quite, stuff it's like quite that. thick, though, isn't it? If you think. About oh it. yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, he's like, like an absolute idiot. But yeah. I'd say that's equivalent of like if you were playing in a football match and you're like, oh, I'm I'm rookie. You'd like you get a penalty. Like, oh, you have the penalty. You pick the ball up and throw it in the goal. It's like surely you've watched some wrestling. And people don't pin Ooh. people with their feet on the ropes, so perhaps I'm. Ooh, I don't know if it's. A, I don't know if it's as bad as yeah, picking up a penalty. <laughs> Maybe not knowing what to do when a throwing happens. Maybe that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. I, I see that. I that see that level. Yeah. 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 Throwing it in with one hand or just kicking it in, basically. <laughs> just kicking it back in. Kicking yeah. it back in. Uh, next up, the UWF World Champion, Big Bubba Rogers in action versus Ron Ellis, and Ron was deposited with the Big Bubba Slam. The future sidewalk slam in 28 seconds. And Akbar told Ross that no one was ever going to beat this man because he was nasty and mean. And interestingly, Skandar said he'd never, Skandar said he'd even heard the American nightmare out there. So that's interesting that the words American nightmare are uttered on wrestling uh, television as long ago as this. Yeah. Uh, now, give me 500 words on this uh, this squash and post match promo, please. Oh my god! You barely <laughs> give you a four. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. Okay. Actually, I do. I know I can. Was this was this a title defense or no. is this just? Yeah. Yeah. No. Okay. That's a weird one. Getting your champions are so protected these days that you'd never have them doing a squash match, and there's definitely arguments for like in MMA where if you've got a like Connor, for example, that we spoke about earlier giving him a squash match just so he can come back and build up that you see that so much in in wrestling and i've i feel like i wouldn't have a problem if um yeah like um tyson fury he had those two basically squash matches when he came back and had the draw uh for the w uh wbc title and then had two matches and then fought deontay wilder again like i don't have a problem with that and um i think um that can be brought back into modern day wrestling, actually, just um, squash matches for champions. Yeah, they they definitely have always done that in boxing. I remember one of Bruno's comebacks that it led to him ultimately beating Oliver McCoy. Like they used to call it mm. Mum of the Month, basically. And I think this what uh, 
what's it called in MMA cans or something? Potato? Yeah, can, yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> tomato same, can, tomato, tomato can. can. That's it. Yeah, that's the same the same thing. But you don't really get that in UFC, do they? They don't, don't tend no, to do oh, those sort of absolutely fights. Absolutely not. No, um, no. So, so which I, I think they're doing themselves. I think if you've got enough on a pay per view card, I don't see any problem with them cut them bringing someone in from somewhere else for a fight or yeah, you know, whatever. Um, I think you know it's dead probably, but then they don't care now. They they want a fixed fixed amount of money from ESPN. Oh yeah, they, they don't can't care. They? So it and actually, that's probably matter. why. Like yeah, if Connor comes back or not, they just probably don't even care because they. They can churn these things out, and the train keeps moving. Well, the thing as well is that how many fights have you got him for? So you just you just do you just try and maximize that one because it's a bit like the GSP thing with Michael Bisping. Oh, he brought yes. it back. Though Bisping was kind of done, he did have one more fight, but he was essentially finished. But yeah. he won the he won the middleweight title and then retired. So it's like, well, what's the you know? I know he had that illness or something, didn't he, or something was wrong with it. Yeah, yeah. But you are taking a big risk by putting someone in. I don't know. It's just yeah. Do you see what I mean? So. Though I'm almost arguing against myself there, because you could put you put Connor in against a name and make a load of money on it, but Connor loses and he's done. You put Connor in against a name and Connor wins, and then Connor's done, and you're you're stuffed there. So I'm not really sure what the answer is, really. This is really interesting because there was always rumours that like Vince every now and then was going to buy the UFC at various stages mm. of its uh, trajectory before ESPN. Oh, sorry, before Endeavor got it, and Vince always came out and said. I can't control the outcome. I yeah. can't create. I can't control the outcome. And now they've done this merger, which you know, hey, we can you know talk about that another day. But yeah, yeah let's not just, talk about that. <laughs> that's an interesting thing, right? Where yeah. he's now jumped in bed with them, where he furiously said, "I can't control the outcome. I can't give you squash matches. I can't do this. I can't do that." Henceforth, I'm not going to touch it. Yeah. But I think yeah. you can can have a big influence over the outcome in UFC. Should you mm. want to? Not not in terms of work or anything. I mean, as in. Exactly. Oh, what yeah, you say. yeah. If if you if you think Conor McGregor is going, if you put Conor McGregor semi main event against someone that's four and zero, or say, so they they come into the UFC or whatever, you can build enough intrigue that Conor's done and he's going to be knocked out by some yeah. rookie. Plus, put I don't know, bantamweight, featherweight title or something for the diehards on there as well. That pay per view will set, sell. And again, it doesn't really matter. It doesn't really matter. But then that's it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not close enough for really, UFC to to have a kind of very uh, kind of informed opinion these days. Um, next up, we had a segment with Ross and Ayres. Ross talked about Dusty Rhodes appearing and JJ Dillon and what a busy man he'd been. Um, he said they talked about the new UWF top 10 with the new criteria for a long time. And Ayres said there was lots of, of exciting things going on. and They compiled a new top 10 uh, to make things more exciting for the fans. And this was Iceman King Parsons... Uh, Vladimir Petrov, um, basically, and also I should say, Ayers made some comments about these as he went through. So Ice Making Parsons moved around a well. Bloody hell. What's wrong with me? I've got the old, <laughs> I got, I'm in the old Sutter Club tonight. So Ice Making Parsons moved around well. Vladimir Petrov was the strongest man he'd ever seen. Eight was Sting, who was already a great tag performer. Seven was Taylor, who got a big mixed reaction. Six was Adams. Five was Wyndham. Four was Terry Gordy. Three was Gilbert, so the TV champion is no longer number one. Two was D.B. Yossi, who got a huge response. And one was Williams, who Air said he was the greatest athlete he'd ever seen anywhere. Um, Williams and D.B. Yossi came out and Ted seemed really annoyed. And Air said he'd signed a match between one and two for the number one contendership. Williams thanked Ayres for the match and said he was excited. Um, 
But and he, he was so excited, he was going to lose his voice. Uh, Williams then walked off and Ted was looking glum. He said, number two, what are you doing, John? He said he thought he was a fine pro football player uh, and he wouldn't be in this position if he didn't know how to do a deal with people. Um, but his ratings of wrestlers left a lot to be desired. He said he was promised a shot at the title. What was going on? And as I said previously, um, Ted had all... Where's the last page of my notes? I'm on the wrong bit. Uh, Ted had wrestled his last match in the EWF and would like, debut in the WWF. What is going on, Callum? I've no, you're I'm good. You're good. Yeah, you're just, looking good. Yeah, yeah, you're keeping yeah, it together. Yeah, it's, yeah. um, it's just, 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 just tough in these sauna. It's I, tough, I, I do it? a podcast in a sauna. As I said, Ted DiBiase yeah, already wrestled. It's a tough, it's a tough life. <laughs> uh, I'm approaching like episode 181 or something, and like you know, perhaps and you feel 181. Perhaps 181. Right? It's just one too many. Um, <laughs> so yeah, he he he'd already wrestled his last match in the UWF, and he would debut in the WWF on television uh, less than two weeks after this aired. Uh, what do you think of the new ratings of these promos? I do, yeah, similar to like the business stuff uh, when it comes into uh, the, the the on-screen things. I really do like ratings, uh, rankings, yeah. sorry, and and the UWF. Um, it's been enjoyable sort of watching that and, and keeping track on that. And um, Jim Ross did say it's like reading a list of who's who of wrestling, which I, I guess I kind of agree with, right? Because that's a great name. That's a great list of names for this era. Um, um, but um, as you read out, I mean, not everyone was happy with that list. Not no. as happy as I was. No. Mr. DiBiase was not a happy in, man. Yeah. No, no, uh, okay, man. Terry Taylor is in action next against Jeff Wright. Uh, and this was a total mess. Um, Taylor won with a really awful looking figure four in less than 90 seconds. Uh, Eddie Gilbert came down to ringside to offer his support. Um, I thought this was really bizarre. What, what do you think of this? Yeah, there's not much notes on it. I've got to be honest. No. So, yeah, it was, it was a bit strange. Yeah. Yeah, this is not the Taylor highlight of these three episodes. No, um, no. Back from break, Eddie Gilbert was at ringside with Magnum, Ayers and Ross. Gilbert asked who had made him commissioner and who said he should be put down to number three as a television champion. He belongs at number one. Gilbert said he'd wrestled DiBiase or Williams any time to prove he was number one. Uh, Eddie was good as always and Ayers said that match against one of them would happen. Uh, Vladimir Petrov versus Ken Massey um, and they'd stopped giving a ring intro to the kind of non-stars, which was interesting. Uh, Petrov hit Massey with a sickening looking close onto the top of the head for a win in the nothing contest in a minute. Uh, we had yet more airs after this with Williams, who said he would face Gilbert next week. Um, as I said earlier on, this show has definitely had a shot of life post buyout. Uh, and last week was particularly great. This was fine also. Uh, and there was a deal, decent build to the Gilbert Williams contest. Um, anything to add on any of the stuff I've recapped? And also what are your final thoughts on this week of television, the promotion overall at this time. Yeah, just incredible stuff. It was so much fun, as I've always had, going back and watching this, uh, seeing these um, names that uh, I've only heard about and, and briefly seen at Hall of Fames and things like that. Um, it, it was just really enjoyable. Great three-part series that uh, potentially wasn't picked, <laughs> but you know, like for, for that. But it's um, just the next three episodes. You you got lucky here, really. Yeah, I feel like I always get lucky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, just really good stuff. Yeah. Uh, aside from the squash matches, which probably just was the booking at the time. I mean, you just said, you know, uh, Petrov's final match. I mean, yeah. Just just to set just, just to keep the in-ring action going. I guess when they were just wrapping up the television stuff. Um, yeah. uh, that that's all I can see it as, but um, no, 
amazing amazing stuff um and um yeah lots more to look forward to as, as things come i guess yeah absolutely and that is it for episode six of uwf the final year now forbidden door callum because you're coming mm. back on the podcast you're getting up very early for me on a monday morning aren't you so i think it's going to be a 7 a.m yeah. start of the pay-per-view on that morning if you realize what you let yourself in for to well well this is great yeah because i'm just or are you gonna stay up or are you gonna stay up Oh no no! Oh god, those days of staying up, I love them. <laughs> I can't do that anymore. I can't do that. I just stay off Twitter, and then I yeah. watch stuff in the morning. I'm no longer a 19 year old kid who uh, should be getting up for a lecture, but staying up all night to watch wrestling. I'm no longer that. Um, no, I'm really good because uh, th- no, this is really good because um, it's come at a great time because I'm just transitioning into a new job. So I've got this like garden leave, whatever you want to yes, call it, yeah. type of thing. So. I think when you got wind of that, you were like, you're free for a Monday morning. <laughs> yeah, well, the thing is, I've got, I'm planning the golf competition in the afternoon. So if I wasn't, I'd Ooh. stay up 100%. Oh, okay. So, um, yeah, so that's why we, we've got, we're probably going to have to do a super cut 45 minutes uh, episode of that, but that will be <laughs> available in the UK by kind of 1230 and yeah. then the US will be available for people's commutes on the East Coast. So, yeah, I'm sorry, Callum, but yeah, I think it's going to be four hour pay-per-view. So if we start 11.15, You'll need, it'll need to be yes. a 7am start. So, yeah. No, this is Thank fine. You in no, no, I'm really looking forward to it. It's going to blend so well into AEW Wembley. Me being a blind optimist, I don't think it will impact. I, I, I shouldn't say we're, we're not going to get matches that... What am I trying to say? I don't think it's going to have like a detrimental impact on AEW Wembley. I could be completely wrong. I, I could be, but um, I think they're... They've put so much into the Wembley show with the ticket sales, and I guess we can talk about it as details are revealed for close to the time. But um, they're not going to mess Wembley and first time they're coming over here. They they just can't. It'll be stupid, stupid business to do that. Yeah, I hope not. Do you think they'll do Kenny and Will again at Wembley? Oh, I hope so. Yeah, so how that. incredible will that be? I was actually saying to my girlfriend. Um, because she does try and show an interest in wrestling. And I was saying... That'll wear oh, off it's before gonna... too long. <laughs> I actually said about you and Charlotte, I was like, okay, yeah, it probably will wear off, yeah. <laughs> but um, there, are, there are so many things I'm excited for. And for all my years of wrestling and going to wrestling shows, I've never seen Kenny wrestle. It's just ah, been okay. those times where we were then going to the New Japan and we did the Tokyo Dome and stuff. Yeah. Um, that was that transition when he was no longer there. But... Um, to see Will Ospreay wrestle any day of the week is fantastic. I hadn't seen Punk wrestle in years, so that'd be good mm. fun to see him wrestle. Uh, Abushi, you never know, never might know. turn yeah. up. Um, but yeah, to see Kenny wrestle, I probably couldn't care what. It, actually, no, I do. I, I, I don't want him to be in some trios crap yeah, somewhere. I want him to be. This this needs to be flagship great one-on-one wrestling in yeah. front of 75,000, how many, many are they going to sell? Because that crowd wants that. And if they deliver that, they'll they home run for them. Home yeah. run. They've done 65,000 already. I, I, I can't, I'm a little bit gutted at how, I mean, I know there's only two matches uh, announced for Bindor, but Okada and Danielson and Osprey and Omega is incredible stuff. Like that is, yes. you know, yeah. and I almost, and I know they've got a lot of TV and, I, and they've got a pay-per-view the week afterwards, which I don't think is 100% confirmed, but it's almost certainly going to be the week afterwards. I'd be quite happy with just them just throwing out, this doesn't have to be the storyline show. I think yes. all, all yes. in can be, you can just throw a load of crazy matches that you never thought you'd see. 
put give me you know i there's various things going on in my mind you you may get omega and, and osprey again because I, I think it kind of makes that's obviously that's a, that's a new japan bell to probably make sense to osprey to win that title back uh, albeit you've got the g1 between now and then so is osprey going to win the g1 i think osprey will probably end up signing again for new japan because he wants to live in the uk so mm. i think for AEW is um i listened to dave Meltzer talking about this the other day he was saying AEW can have Will Ospreay whenever they want. So you can put a title on Ospreay or do something with Ospreay and um, it's fine. So I I, he, I know Meltz is very for Omega and Ospreay main eventing with Ospreay winning. Um, the, the at IW Wembley. At Wembley, the US title back. <sighs> so yeah. Omega beats him in Canada. So it's 2-1 and then Ospreay wins. The, the other yeah. things I think is that you could do Ospreay and MJF. And I, I wouldn't necessarily, hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say that you you put the title on Os, on Osprey because I think that is, I mean, you could. The thing is, you could do, you can do whatever you want. You could yeah. do whatever you want. You could do a Texas Stadium, and I'm not, I'm not suggesting that Will Osprey is is Davy Boy Smith because he's not. But ultimately, in in Cardiff, a clash at the castle. I was very, very kind of going into that. I was very, oh, they're not going to cheer Drew. We're in Wales. He's Scottish. I'm English. Are people really going to get behind him? And I bought it. I bought, when I was in there, I bought it and everyone bought it. And he, it was massive. And I think they have the potential. If you did MJF and, uh, and Osprey, and I, there's, I've not seen a single thing about this. It's just me, me sort of fantasy booking. Yeah. You could you could do a Texas Stadium, Kerry Von Erich beats Ric Flair and have Osprey win the title and and, and flip it back in a month. It doesn't matter. Wow. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's professional. Like you said, you can control the outcomes. Yeah. Give the moment. I don't think they'll do that, but I, I think you're right. We want Omega singles. We want CM Punk singles. The other one that would be really interesting is Punk and Osprey as well. Just a <sighs> mega dream match. It, you know, I'd, you know, whatever. I'm sure I'm sure Osprey would be up, up to the task. Um so there's lots of things you can do on that card. They've got they've got a enough talent, and there'll be some New Japan people floating around to just give you just this incredible one night of wrestling, this best show in the history of professional wrestling, the best best wrestling show AEW have ever done in front of a rabid crowd, the biggest ever crowd, probably the biggest crowd they'll ever do a show in front of. Because second time round, they're not doing seventy thousand people at Wembley. They're just not. They're just not. No. Um, so I just think, and then the all out the week after, it's very easy. Just you know. Perhaps you create a number one contender for that show, and then they, and then whoever the champion is faces them. But Adam Cole and MJF is not the match. They've got. I want them to get that no. way, and I hope they do it for Forbidden Door. I think. I think they. I think they will. Right, or they have, and and it, and and just this is my last point on on the All In stuff. That was the beauty of the. I guess now the first All In was one hundred percent. It wasn't. It, it wasn't a. Uh, AEW presents, WWE presents, New Japan presents. It wasn't that. It was a the wrestlers are presenting this, Um, and you could almost, you know, just by proxy, AEW have this all in brand, um, all in, um, yeah, brands. Just have that as like every now and then. You don't have to schedule it every year. It can just be once every three years, or maybe once every four years, like a World Cup. Just have it in such a crazy time where. You just have the all the stars aligning, yeah, and they just chuck on a match which isn't canon in the grand scheme of things. Which the 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 audience will then get to realize that none of this really matters. We just want to see the the biggest freak show ever, 
And then next week or the week after or the next month, if you've got your next scheduled television, just carry on the, the storylines you were previous to that. Yeah, and they can build it up, but it just doesn't have to be done. They can build this up in a very simplistic way. Just do your television, do your television and then book the matches. And then you've got you can you can weave all out into that as well. It's 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 not this is not difficult stuff, but it's going to be really interesting. I'm really looking forward to Forbidden Door. I feel like the, t- the corner has been turned in AEW now. And I, I hope this is going to be, I'm really, I'm going to start to watch CM Punk return on Saturday night. I cannot wait for that. Oof, yes, and I, yes. As I've, I tweeted, I just want him to just don't punch anyone. Don't get injured. <laughs> just stay. Please, CM Punk, just stay. Because all I want to do is scream at the top of my lungs uh, it's clobbering time. That's all I want. So yeah, is it's, it's um, just going to be Dan like recording us and we go viral in Japan uh, again? <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I just don't know. This is the thing. If it's Punk versus Osprey, I might have to get. I might have to get someone to Oof. sew a half and half T-shirt for me because I can't. Yes, I can't choose. Right, Callum. Thank you as ever. It's been great. Um, so we, yeah, as I said, Callum will be back for the Forbidden Door review in what a week on Monday. So look out for that. Uh, until then, thank you all for listening, and we shall speak to you all again very soon. Hello, everybody. I am Ricky Morton of the Rock and Roll Express. And if you would like to purchase some merchandise from World's number one Mid-South Wrestling Podcast, check it out, all the products. That's on redbubble.com, people, Mid-South Moments. They have everything from T-shirts, phone cases, mugs. Remember now, redbubble.com, people, Mid-South moments thanks very much ricky and that link again is redbubble.com forward slash people forward slash mid south moments <laughs>